Is it June yet? A storied CFL franchise. Riley, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimo. With a loyal and passionate following. We finally can say we're champions. Bring it back to the seat of champions. This is the show that brings you the stories and personalities of the green and gold. Yeah. This is the Eskimo Show. Now your host, Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio. 630 Chad. After losing three straight games, the Eskimos have won two in a row and have started a streak the other way. Four and four is their record, tied for the final playoff spot in the Western Division. There's so much more football left to be played, however. Ten more games. One more game left, and we have hit the halfway mark of the season. That will come Friday night against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Good evening, good evening, everyone. Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott. Morley's on the 6.30 Chad Morning News. You'll hear him tomorrow. You will hear him on Friday night on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Well, we'll be just above the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. We'll be in the uh, broadcast booth as uh, we bring you the Challenge Insurance Group pregame show at 6 o'clock. 8 o'clock is the kickoff between the Riders who are one and seven, probably coming to Commonwealth Stadium a little, I would say a little extra motivated, a little ornery, doesn't mean they're gonna win. That is a winnable game for the Eskimos and to be quite honest with you, they should win. They should win and head into Labor Day at five and four. They should win, but uh, we'll see what happens. Um, But yeah, that's a winnable game for sure. Coming up in this hour of the program, we will go to Regina and talk with Rod Peterson conspiracy theorist (laughs) Rod's kind of toned it down over the last week (laughs) that's good Uh, a lot of trouble in Regina off the field but there's a lot of trouble with the team on the field and we'll talk about uh, both but we'll talk more specifically about what's going on on the field the the team lost 53-7 to the Hamilton Tiger Cats on Saturday right after the Eskimos won 46-23 over the Toronto Argos also Blake Dermott will be by as well our in-game analyst on Eskimo broadcasts uh, to uh, discuss the win and uh, the fact that this team is now on a win streak of two straight games and also coming up later in this half hour, the head coach of the Eskimos, Jason Moss. With the Eskimos at BMO Field in Toronto, pick up a 43-23 win over the Argos. 46-23 win over the Argos. Here's how it sounded. They are playing here. Let's light this rocket. We're underway in Toronto as uh, Eskimos will start. First and 10 from the 35-yard line. Motion starts. Roddy quickly turns to the right side, and it's intercepted. And it's going to be 6-0 Toronto just like that. Make it 7 nothing. Toronto, oh, right to the end zone, and it is a touchdown for the Toronto Argonauts. What a way to start the game for Keon Raymond. White stands beside Riley as he gets ready for the football. Three to the right, two to the left for Riley. who drops back. He's got some heat, escapes the heat, and will ramble to the right side now. He'll get to the 15 and then throw the football, and it's knocked down, almost intercepted again, but we do have flags flying on the play. The knockdown by the DB, Devin Smith. Mike Marley made a throw across his body, and he almost paid for it. And it looks like he's going to get helped out by this flag. But Sean Lemon just ripped apart. Pass interference. Toronto number 19. First down at the point of the infraction. Automatic first down. Front four 
throw in uh, Sean Lemon. That's some good pressure coming on Riley, who backs up again, but releases it to John White across the 40 to the 45. He'll get close to the 50, stays on his feet almost to midfield. Great second effort by John White. Justin Sorensen leans over the football. Eskimos will go four receivers to the short side on the right of Riley as he looks that way now. Taps the ball, pops, goes to the left side to White out of the backfield. White will have another first down for the Eskimos who moved it to the Toronto 42. And after a one and out and then a two and out, Eskimos moving the ball a bit right now. Here's the snap. Riley pulls it away from White. He wants to go deep. He throws. That is complete across the 10 to the 5 and into the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos, as it is Nate Kuhorn who comes up with the grab, coming across the middle and takes it to the end zone. First touchdown of the year for Kuhorn. Well, it's first and 20. Kilgore is going to throw. Intercepted. Pat Watkins down the sidelines. He gets pushed out by Whitaker at the six-yard line. Pat Watkins with his first INT of the year. Snap. It goes to McCarty. McCarty puts his head down, dives, gets the ball across the goal line. And they're signaling touchdown as he lost control of it. Kelvin McCarty with a touchdown for the Eskimos, who have roared back after a horrible start in this football game. Three-man front for uh, the Argos. Lemon Hall on the outside as Riley drops back. He's going to throw downfield. He's got a man open. That is complete. And it is Watson inside the 30, inside the 25. Another huge gain for Corey Watson. So the Eskimos inside the 25 will go to work to start the second quarter. They lead it 14-8 over the Argos here in Toronto. Balls on the near left hash marks in the shadows here at Bebo Field. Riley will take the drop. He looks and waits, and he wants to go to the end zone for Bowman. Touchdown, Eskimos. Adarius Bowman's got it. And the Eskimos increase their lead. Ball is pinned. Kick is up. And off the bar and in. <laughs> off the bar and in. So he gets away with it. A 27-yard field goal is good. And the Eskimos increase the lead to 24-8. Jaro's going to go to the right side himself. He'll get in this time for a touchdown. and they'll draw a little bit closer. Third time lucky for Toronto after two defensive stands by the Eskimos. Fajardo gets in. Riley with a deep drop throw, and he's going hard down the middle to Bowman, who's got it at the 30-yard line. And Darius Bowman gets the Eskimos out of trouble. First down Edmonton at the Toronto 31. First down Eskimos just inside the 20. Riley drops, pumps once, waits, throws. He's going to the corner of the end zone at the back. And it's a touchdown, Eskimos. Another one. This one for Darrell Walker as Mike Riley has his third touchdown pass of the football game. And the Eskimos starting to run away with this event. So this will be from the 38. White's hit from the 27 already tonight. Missed a convert, though. Ball is down. Kick is up. And it's through. Sean White now hit two straight tonight. Takes the snap and drops. Looks, throws, release. It's intercepted again. Pat Watkins has a pair as he gets wrestled to the ground at the 27-yard line. Another interception for the Eskimos. Will McCarty get a third chance to score his second touchdown? Doesn't look like it. Riley's going to keep it himself. And he's now thrown for three and run for one. Mike Riley gives the Eskimos another touchdown. Flags on the play, so we'll have to sort that out. 
Eskimos looking pretty confident it's against the Argos. Sending out the convert team. Offside. Toronto. That penalty is declined. Result of the play is a touchdown. We're playing kick to win from the 15-yard line. Sean White's good from 27 and 38. This one should be a gimme for the best in the CFL this year. And he says, give me three points. It's good. 27-38, now 15 yards. Sean White is connected on 43-14 Eskimos. He's 22nd all-time in CFL scoring. He is the leader among active players in scoring. And the kick is up. And it's through, and he's got 12 points now in this game with four field goals. 27-38. Pajardo drops back. Sewell's coming for him. Now he gets away. He'll take off himself. Across the 10 to 5. Dives for the end zone. And it's touchdown Toronto. Cody Pajardo takes it in himself. And you know what? That's the ball game, folks. A convincing victory for the Edmonton Eskimos. 46-23. A bad start goes very right in the end for the Eskimos. It sure does, and a big win for the Eskimos as they win two straight games. Four and four is their record. Uh, they have a, you know, they have work to do. Obviously, uh, still in the season lots of games left and now they will start a stretch of six straight games against western division opponents which will begin on friday at home against the saskatchewan rough riders how did the head coach jason moss feel about the win we'll hear from him next on the eskimo show dave campbell and for morley scott tonight you're listening to the eskimo show on eskimos radio 6 30 chat welcome back to the eskimo show tonight dave campbell in for morley scott now joined by the head coach of the edmonton eskimos jason moss jason first thanks for your time today no problem thank you uh a win uh obviously this was the game i think as close as you could get to a 60 minute effort if you, you know, and the pick six was tough but we're going to round it up and call it a 60 minute effort yeah i mean when picks happen uh plays like that are you know never like them to happen but if you were to pick when they happen the first play of the game's not a bad time to have it happen because you have basically 59 minutes and 58 seconds to go the rest of the game so uh to make up for it so um, it was unfortunate uh they made a great play on the ball and, and and capitalized on it but i thought our guys did a great job not panicking just staying with the plan uh our offensive line did a great job protecting mike and opening holes all night for both our backs uh, our defense played solid i mean they were all over the place made plays pat watkins got challenged early and came up with two huge picks uh, you know I, I thought it was a great all-around team effort i thought doe did a good job uh, returning with our guys in front of him blocking and then our coverage units were were very good so uh and all and shoot sean sean kicked the ball had the one you know error on the extra point but all around it was a great great uh 60 minute effort our penalties were down which was a major uh, concern for us going into these games uh, i felt like we've been committing way too many of them uh and that was even better so as close as we can get uh still after you watch the film you know there's plenty of room for improvement um you know but at the end of the day we'll take it it's a win on the road you can never apologize for that i imagine from an offensive standpoint the pick six is not good but you go 
okay, that's one play. Several more to make after that play. Yeah, like I said, it's better to have that happen at the beginning of a game than in the last throw of a game, you know, when it matters. So, um, you know, you never want to throw them. You never want them to happen because that's, you know, it's a huge momentum twist in the game. You know, uh, we open up with the ball possession-wise, you know, right off the bat and basically give the ball away. It was like we didn't ever have the ball. So, um, you know, it's it's unfortunate, like I said, that it happened, but you'd prefer if it was going to happen. If you could pick when it was going to happen in any game, it'd be the first play of a game because then you're with a quarterback that's as mentally strong as Mike, you know, nothing's going to phase him. He's going to rebound by the rest, by the, you know, the second series. He's ready to roll again. So most other quarterbacks that are younger, it might affect them later in the game. But for Mike with a vet like him, I mean, shoot, you just chalk that one up to experience and move on. I thought what was really impressive is the distribution of the ball. You had seven receivers catch the football. Uh, you didn't have as many targets as we're used to seeing to Darius Bowman and Darrell Walker, but when the ball was in their hands, things happened. Uh, you got a great day from your running backs. John White, when he was healthy, and Calvin McCarty, you got almost 200 yards from your back. So the distribution with yards seemed to be evident, and you throw in Corey Watson. He got 84 yards on his own. Yeah, I mean, our, our offense, you'd like to have that, that balance every week, but, you know, we usually dictate, the ball, defense generally dictates where the ball goes in our offense. So, you know, we scheme certain things, and we put guys in certain positions, but overall, you know, the defense is going to determine where the ball goes most often. So when we get tar- a lot of targets to Durrell and uh, Darius, it's not because we're forcing the ball, it's just the defense ends up giving those things up, so we end up taking them. Um, but our running game, we knew going in against Stubler's defense, that was a thing we needed to do. We needed to be able to run the ball. You know, he's not he's more likely to take away your pass game than your run game because he generally feels that you're not going to run the ball consistently all through the game, and that was our focus, was to stay balanced and do it more, and I thought our O-line responded and, and played very well up front, and our backs took advantage of everything that was there, so um, you know, both backs, you know, John and Calvin both did a tremendous job carrying the rock and, uh, and, and producing things when it was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you uh, have the unique um, uh, fortune of playing with Calvin McCarty. Now you're coaching Calvin McCarty. You've seen him start games at tailback many times when you played uh, near the tail end of your career. Uh, but for him to step in on a moment's notice like that and, and to be that productive, how impressed are you with him? Oh, extremely impressed. I mean, I've been impressed with Calvin McCarty since day one, since I got here. I mean, I know what Calvin's all about, you know, having played with him and watched him from afar for so long, uh, being a coach and a, a player and all that in the league. And, um, you know, he's a special talent. I mean, he's very versatile. He has probably the best hands on our football team, can run good routes. You know, he blocks unbelievably. But the added dimension that you don't see from him, which you've seen a little bit more this year, is him being able to run the ball. And we've given him carries here and there in the game. But to take over a game for the majority of a game, to go three quarters of the tailback in this league, it's a lot, lot different. And for him to do as well as he did is a testament to his work ethic and his mindset and his capabilities. And uh, like I said, I mean, couldn't be more happier for a guy to stick with it and, uh, you know, be ready when the time was uh, was called upon because that's not easy. What he did was not easy and uh, for anybody. And then let alone uh, a fullback, you know, uh, that maybe has a little bit better qualities than most fullbacks do, but he's still a fullback. And uh, for him to be able to do that on a moment's notice is, is tremendous. And like I said, we're very thankful and grateful that we have Calvin. I mean, he's it's, it's, it's one of those things where you're just thankful you have a guy like him that's as versatile as he is on your roster. Yeah. As we uh, speak now, 
now. What's the status of John White for Friday at this point? Uh, he's just day to day. You know, he didn't finish the game, so we're just looking at him. Uh, we'd like for sure like him to play in this game, but uh, you know, we'll have Shakir up, ready to roll, uh, practicing all week, and then uh, if, if John can go, he can go, and if not, you know, we'll go with Shakir, and uh, you know, we'll be we'll be good there. A comment on your defense, who in the last three games have given up, I think around 16 points per game. Quite the turnaround. Yeah, I mean, uh, everyone asked me about it all year, and I kept saying, you know, it takes time for a defense to gel. Mike's a big-time game planner. You know, he he likes to scheme. He likes to do different things. And when you're beginning of the season, it's hard to scheme everybody because there aren't, aren't a lot of film to watch, and you got young guys trying to teach everything too. Uh, you know, now we're starting to feel our own. We're starting to understand the schemes, understand what we're, we're doing. Uh, everybody's communicating better. You know, he's able to game plan differently and uh, specifically for the opponents we're facing. And, you know, it, it's a good thing. Um, but no no questions about it. The players have been playing at a different level. They've been making plays that I believe, and I firmly believe this, that early in the season we just weren't making. There was times we were put in position as players uh, to make plays, and they weren't making them. I think everyone will tell you that to a man. Uh, now, all of a sudden, we're making those plays, and it's a lot different ball game. And now the confidence is going to grow. The communication is going to grow. All those things are just going to get better as we're making those plays. You talk about your special teams. You mentioned Kenzel Doe in his game. Four or five games now, he has had over 100 yards returning. You know, and it seems like maybe he's not getting, you know, a lot of people look at returners and, well, we want to see that explosive touchdown, but it seems like he's being efficient out there. He's getting your offense in good field position. Absolutely. I mean, anytime you can average over 10 yards of return and punts, I mean, you're doing something right, and that's what he did. He's been doing, and, you know, he's uh, he's a threat. I mean, he, uh, he hasn't been scoring, but the thing he's been doing is taking care of the ball and getting his positive yards every time, and, and that matters just as much to anybody. So, uh, you know, there's still things for him to get better at, you know, Field on the ball, you know, on every uh, every kick, having that mindset to be able to do that, you know, not allowing you know singles to get put in the end zone and things like that. He can improve on that, and he knows it. But I mean, we're, we're very, uh, I'm very happy with his progress. And I mean, he's only a rookie, so he's only played in you know a handful of games now for us, and uh, he's only going to get better as more experience he gets. Um, so I look for you know bigger and better things from Kenzel through the for the rest of the year. Friday night, Saskatchewan Rough Riders come to town. You you don't ever look at records. Your, your team doesn't do that. So what do you see out of the riders on film? I mean, they fly around. They're physical. Uh, they're very athletic everywhere on the field. So you've got to get your hands in their. I mean, you got to be physical with them. Bottom line, you've got to you got to knock them around, uh, knock them off the ball, get on their guys in the run game. Uh, obviously, you know Chris is you know very good with his schemes and coming up with different things that you haven't seen before. So you got to understand a game plan and you got to adapt to what he's doing so you know it's going to take a concerted effort for us on offense to score against his defense and then defensively I mean they go against the same offense they every day so yeah. I mean our defense should be very comfortable with the scheme that they're going to see but again they got very athletic people playing at the at every position uh, you know you got to control the line of scrimmage against them you know get physical with their old line and uh, stop the run and get to their quarterback and that will generally make him less accurate and allow our guys to play faster so um, and, and play better, but uh, it'll be a long night if we can't do those things. If we can't control the line of scrimmage against on both sides of the ball, um, stop the run, run, and, and you know make plays when they're there. You know we have our hands full, and we know that. But uh, you know I like our chances. I like our chances against anybody in this league um, when we do the things right.
All right, Jason. As always, thanks for your time. No problem. Thank you. Jason Moss, head coach of the Eskimos, always confident in his group, and his group will take to the field on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium Friday night. 8 o'clock is the kickoff. We have the broadcast starting at 6 o'clock. Morley Scott, yours truly, Brendan Allwork on the sidelines, and our in-game analyst, Blake Dermott, who will join us after the news update from the 6.30 Chet 24-hour news center with Daniel Stilwell. Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott. It's the Eskimo Show on 6.30 Chet. This is the Eskimo Show with Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 6.30 Chet. Welcome back to the Eskimo Show. Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott tonight. Morley will be back a week from tonight for another edition of the Eskimo Show after the Eskimos take on the Riders this Friday night on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. 8 o'clock is the kickoff. 6 o'clock is the pregame show. Morley, myself, Brennan Ulrich will be around and also this man right now who we welcome uh, to the show once again, Blake Dermott, our in-game analyst. Blake, uh, welcome back. Hi, hi, Dave. Uh, thanks for having me on. Well, uh, the Eskimos, they're, they're right in the ship. Uh, they're going the right way now. After a three-game losing streak, they've won two in a row. And uh, that elusive 60-minute effort uh, showed up in Toronto on BMO Field. It sure did. And, and you know, when you, when you think about historically how difficult it is to play for the Eskimos to play in Toronto, that's one of those places that in, in all the years that I played where, where it was a real difficult place to play. Saskatchewan was another one. And... and uh, um, but the uh, they 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 just played one of the best games I think I've ever seen them play there. You know, with with the exception of the first 29 seconds, uh, <laughs> they were just absolutely dominant, and uh, and that's that's a tough thing to do there. And you know, there's a lot of things that were going against them. There was, you know, injuries at the last minute on the defensive line, uh, hot weather, um, just you know, early early start time, um, and they handled it. They handled it really well, and they. They did, as Coach Moss said they would do a month ago. If they ever got in that situation again, they were going to deal with it differently, and they did. Yeah, for sure. And I, I remember the uh, the exact quote to us, or close to the exact quote, is we're going to be in this situation again, and we're going to remember this game. So it was amazing how a month ago, Blake, that was a moment that I think the Eskimos and fans, and uh, you know, they just wanted to burn that memory. And now it's it's a teaching tool, and it's a reference point now. Well, yeah, and they they were playing a decent team. I mean, if Toronto wins that game, I, I think they were tied for first place in the East. So they wasn't like they were playing, you know, uh, uh, a, a team that was sort of reeling and, and not playing that well. It's just a, it was the Eskimos got, uh, showed up and uh, gave the 60-minute effort that they've been talking about, and they're starting to see that defense starting to play the type of football that everybody had kind of hoped they would play, and uh, you know they're. They're uh, creeping below uh, 30 points a game, uh, but somewhere around a little below 28 points a game on defense, and I know that's been coming down quite a bit over the last three games. So, so it was uh, it was a good effort, and you saw that offense get back on track, and just they just controlled the game, and that was the thing. And they they didn't they didn't allow they didn't allow uh, Toronto to get back into it. They kept the foot on the throat, and they just uh, they controlled the game like they wanted to. Five touchdowns, four Sean White field goals, and you know we talk about what happened in the first 29 seconds of that game. It was a pick six, so you're down early. There was a lot of game left, clearly or obviously, but uh, some teams that might you know that might crush them. But the Eskimos, it, it, it didn't crush them. They they came back and they had a, you know, they, they just strung together drive after drive after drive um, and were able to get the ball in the end zone or get the ball through the upright. So um, I, I would imagine, Blake, that starts with the quarterback. 
Well, you know, I think it does, and, and uh, there's an awful lot of players on that team that are, you know, have, have won a great cup now. Uh, so so when, when something like that happens that early in the game, and when you know it was just a blatant mistake by somebody who rarely makes them, um, I think a lot of the team just went, ah, we got lots of time to figure it out. we got lots of time to recover from it, so let's not panic. And, I, and that's really what it looked like, because within, like you, you mentioned, within two series, they were, they were scoring. And they never looked back after that. And the defense kind of went, okay, yeah, we, we made a mistake. We're going we're gonna to hang in there. We're going to make these guys uh, have to play very, very hard to do anything against us, which they did. And, and, uh, and they allowed the, the offense, uh, you know, one series to get their stuff together and, and figure it out. Uh, so it really was a, a, a team effort and um, obviously a team that has the experience. And, you know, and the leadership that Riley had that basically probably, as you mentioned, you know, uh, he probably went to the sidelines and said, guys, I'll get that back for you. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know the 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 spreading around of the of the offense. Uh, seven receivers touched the football. Uh, Darius Bowman and, and Darrell Walker uh, combined had uh, three receptions or six receptions, three each. They both were targeted eight times. Five by Bowman, three uh, to Walker, which is unusual because you know we're we're usually talking about one had 11 and one had 16 or, or whatever it was. But you know they had a good night because when the ball was in their hands, something good happened for the most part. But you look at their running backs; they got the run game going with two guys, John White, 88 yards combined, and and Calvin McCarty, for goodness sakes, 99 yards combined. The old man did well. <laughs> well, you know that was one of the things we were talking about at halftime. I, you know, the Eskimos had such a lead. You know that they, when that happens, the running backs are going to get are going to get the ball. And they're going to want to move the clock and or, or run the clock and and. Uh, you're going to see, and, and with White out at that point, uh, McCarty, I, you know, I, I, I think I mentioned that I, I expect him to see the, him get the ball an awful lot. And, and he relished in it. He loved it, you know, handling the ball that often, getting that many yards. It was, uh, you know, um, it's, it's a good thing. And as an offensive lineman and as an offense, when you, can, when you can do that and you can put the ball in the hands of a guy who, who, who's going to pound and get the ugly yards and they know that you're going to do that and you still do it to them, that's a very satisfying day offensively. Uh, John White's day-to-day right now, that's all we know. Uh, pretty nasty cut on his hand. Um, but if he's out of the lineup, Shakir Bell's going to be in the lineup. But, you know, John White is such an integral part to this offense. And uh, not to, to disrespect or diminish Shakir Bell in any way, because, you know, he definitely does have some attributes that you definitely like. And when you watch him run or catch the ball, you go, looks like John White. But there's there's another area that the Eskimos, if they don't have John White, uh, they're, they're going to miss his blocking ability. Yeah, you know, people people talk about the abilities that John White has with running, catching the ball, and all those things. And, and he really is a difference maker in that backfield, even though the Eskimos haven't used him that much. And this was the one game where he was starting to get, you know, 88 yards and, and – uh, in touches with, uh, in the first half, that's that's an awful lot for him. That's a that's a busy day, and and I think that that would have you would have seen John White with getting those probably close to 200 yards had he not got hurt. Uh, so so when he he's a big part of that, but people rarely talk about um, his blocking ability and uh, what he uh, being a guy of not huge stature, he blocks very very well. And um, and when you're in a pass happy league, when 80 you know, is it 80-something percent of all the plays are uh, passing at this point in the season? That's, if you can't block, you can't play. And, 
and and he's been critical to that part of the offense. But you know, uh, Shakir Bell, he, we saw him last year. We saw him come in and have good games, and and uh, um, when he was handling the load. Uh, so I expect the same thing from him. And he's a pretty good blocker as well. They're they're very close and very similar in the type of uh, player that they are. But but obviously White's uh, the guy who's been the starter because he's just got that little bit extra. Blake Dermott, our in-game analyst, joins us here on 6.30, Chad, uh, on the Eskimo Show. Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott. Okay, we're over seven minutes into this interview, and we haven't talked about the defense yet, which I feel bad about because I think they should be talked about. Uh, I mean, three games ago, Blake, they they were averaging 35 points given up per game. Yeah. The last three games, they're averaging 16 points per game. And I don't want to say it looks like the 2015 defense because it's not the 2015 defense. They're just looking like a good defense right now. What, what what are you seeing that's that's different about this team? Well, they're not making the big mistake. They're not giving up the big play. And uh, and I think that the other thing too is that there's some teams that and and when I say the big play, I mean that could include the big drive where things are hurting them. There was one series where they gave up a touchdown because they gave up two pass interference penalties in one drive. But that seemed to be a regular occurrence. And that the, in the last three games, that was sort of a rarity. Um, they, you know, they they don't give up over and over uh, long drives like they did against Hamilton, where they just couldn't seem to stop them to get a, a, a third down and make them kick or do anything like that. They 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 play consistently. They are giving up the odd drive. They're giving up the odd point. They they do that. They gave up. I thought, what do you call them? Points where where the game is in hand. Last game, garbage game Toronto. Garbage yeah. time. Yeah. They gave up garbage time points last week and and. Uh, but, you know, you, your people are playing, your guys are you're getting other people into the game, and that kind of stuff is it's probably going to happen. But uh, they're, they're just they're playing with a little bit more confidence now, too. And, and guys that we have talked about early in the season have really stepped up their game. You know, Pat Watkins being one of those guys. You know, we, we seem like every week now we're saying something good about Pat Watkins, and, and he just seems to be playing with a little bit more confidence. And, he's, and, and Marcel Young and him on that weak side are just really taking control of it. And, you know, the addition to Thompson, the addition of Thompson last week, I think, really helped sort of settle down that secondary. And you're starting to see, we still don't have the pressure from the defensive line in the front seven, but that could be schemes as well. Yeah. But they're getting enough pressure, that it's, and the defensive backs are being able to help and get it, getting the knockdowns and, and not getting the deep balls and the big plays against them. So critical stretch of games begin on Friday where the Eskimos will have uh, Western Division opponents for their next six games, starting with the Riders. It's a winnable game, Blake. It, it's a game that, honestly, the Eskimos should win. But, uh, you know, the Riders just got smoked real badly in Hamilton, 53-7. to And even though they're having a bad season, I got a feeling they're going to be highly motivated on Friday. Well, I think they will be. Uh, Chris Jones coming in and that team uh, with a a lot of ex-Eskimos on it. But but the reality is they they score 18 points a game. And uh, in the last three games, uh, Edmonton has only allowed 16. So this is not a very good offense playing against a defense that's playing better. And the Eskimos are scoring, uh, what is it, just under 30 points a game, right around 29. And Saskatchewan gives up 35. Like if you just look statistically... There, this is not a game, and, and I know that stats are for losers and everything else, but this is an Eskimo team that is playing better in their last three games, and this is a Saskatchewan team that is playing worse in their last three games since they played the Eskimos. So I, I, unless there is something drastic that happens between now and Friday, I, I see that this is a perfect time for Edmonton to see Saskatchewan, get them back above 500, because 
with the, the, the games coming up against Calgary and the other and BC, uh, they're going to need to get back over 500 because those are going to be very tough tough games against uh, some of the top teams in the league. All right, Blake. Uh, thanks for your time tonight. We'll uh, see you down at the stadium later this week. I'll be there. See you later, Dave. Sounds good. Take care, Blake. Blake Dermott, our in-game analyst here on 6.30 Chet Broadcast, and we'll hear Blake once again on Friday. Pre-game show, 6 o'clock. 8 o'clock is the kickoff on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium, and we got it for you right here on 6.30 Chet. Well, it's no conspiracy. We are going to Regina next. What is the matter with the 1-7 and seven Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Rod Peterson, Twitter extraordinaire, will join us next on The Eskimo Show. You're listening to The Eskimo Show on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. All right, final segment of The Eskimo Show. Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott this evening. Eskimos and Riders. Friday night on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, the Eskimos at 4-4. Four and four. The Riders, 1-7. Let's bring in the voice of the Riders uh, from CKRM Radio in Regina, my good buddy, Rod Peterson. Roddy, what's going on? I'm very happy, Dave. <laughs> very happy tonight. You're very happy tonight. Of all the people in the Rider Nation that you could have got to, t- to preview this Friday's game, you got me. I'm... Uh, very happy to be on the air with you tonight. Well, and I know, and I'm happy you're here, man, because you know we have known each other for a while, and uh, I respect you a great deal. Now, there's a lot of people in Eskimo land that probably want me to, you know, be be rough on you and ask <laughs> you the hard questions, and you know, just nail Rod to the wall. And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm not going to do that, but I will say this: conspiracy, Rod. Come on, man, it's <laughs> one and seven, buddy. Come on. Is that where we're going? Uh, now, well, just for a bit, but uh, I want to steer clear of this. Uh, you know, I, I just want to give you a bit of a hard time to start with. But uh, oh, that's fine. Hey, Dave. No, 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 no. Uh, a lot of lot of ways that we could go tonight. But the conspiracy, you know what it's like when you're calling a game and yes. you're in the middle of it. There's, you know, heat of the moment type stuff. And yes. When it happened last week. Against well, two weeks ago now against Calgary at home. I'm sure you watched the game. Yeah, there was a touchdown called back, uh, which would have put the Riders into the lead going into the fourth quarter, and it was called back upon review in Toronto Command Center. And then later on in the game, the Riders get called uh, for a pass interference. Look, I don't need to get into the instinct of it, but after the game, I was sitting in the booth, and you once called Twitter your own personal playground. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. <laughs> so, so I'm sitting there, and I turn to my color guy, Carm, and my spotter, Phil Andrews, and I said, guys, I'm thinking of tweeting, is there a conspiracy against us? Should I do it? And Phil goes, why not? See, of all people... See, I'm the right guy to talk to tonight, and I wish we had more time. We, we don't have a lot of time here, but I'm, I'm the right person to talk to uh, because I get what you're doing. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, so I put it on there just I don't even know why I did. And that kind of started the wheels in motion all week long, and then the fines came. And then, you know, Chris Jones referring to the CFL office as Mayberry and referring to, and for a lot of your listeners and mine, they don't even know what Mayberry is, but for those that do, it's hilarious. Yeah, and and calling Jeffrey L. Orridge Jeff. Yeah, all of a sudden I realized, hang on a second, there's something here. <laughs> yeah. There's a wedge between the writers and the league office, and yeah. if you want to get into the 
whistle being blown on the riders for the extra players and their practices that were illegal. Where did that come from, Dave? <laughs> so people thought when I tweeted the conspiracy continues Saturday night in Hamilton that I did it after the game and it was when the riders lost 53 to 7 because there's a conspiracy against us. No. I tweeted it after another rider interception was called off the board because upon review. Yeah. And you know the whole thing. So it's all kind of played into, you know, I've got myself believing again that there is a conspiracy. Yes, thanks for bringing that up, Dave. <laughs> Uh-oh, tweet and, coming in well, about eight minutes. <laughs> I know, but I wrote it in my column this morning, and I'll say it again here. The Riders aren't the most loved football team across the land, haven't been for a few years. I like to call it jealousy and envy from other franchises and their fans. And then when you throw in Chris Jones, and his lengthy list of detractors and enemies, mm -hmm. it's created the perfect storm. That, that's how we feel over here in the 306. All right. You know what? And honestly, we saw a bit of that with the Eskimos in his in his two years here. Now, he never had a 1-7 and seven season to, or a start to a season. Yeah, he had good football teams here, and he had good records. But the one thing Chris Jones isn't afraid of doing is to wear the black hat. He, he's not. He's the villain in the story, and he's good with that. Uh, on the other hand, um, I can't help but notice, and it, duh, uh, that he's getting a little exasperated and frustrated. I mean, he's never been through this before in his career, and um, he's getting a rough ride from fans, and I, I read the, you know, read the tweets and, you know, and, and read your message boards and, and you know, kind of peer into your show, and uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough out there, but overall, um, you know, Chris Jones, tell me about just how he's just trying to keep it all together here and he's had he's made a lot of personnel changes already um but just tell me about what what he's trying to do just to to right this <laughs> ship here and what what can he do at this point at one and seven well for one i don't assume you knew specifically what his plan in edmonton was any more than i know his plan here i i mean <laughs> other I than winning with, <laughs> yeah well of course ultimately but he's admitted this when he got to edmonton the o-line and the d-line and the defensive front actually were pretty much built yeah, he's said that, and I don't know. If, you know, I'll credit Eric Tillman for that. But you know, he's admitted that here, scratching eighty percent of his roster, he's created an expansion team. And I think internally, because I've only had one five-minute one-on-one talk with him, it was way back in April. I'm hearing from other sources that if they could had a do-over with John Chick, they probably wouldn't have cut him. Mm. I mean, Chris Jones isn't infallible. You know, I watched your games with Edmonton. There were a couple of tactical errors in that in that game. I mean, I don't even Chris probably would be the first to tell you. Maybe he hasn't gone about everything the correct way here, yeah. but he's got the keys to the castle. He's got full control. He's a first-year GM, so there are a few things that are new to him, Dave. But he's said many times, when this is rolling, it's going to be great. The coaches, and you know all these guys like Philip Lawley, Philion. I mean, you know them well. Yep. They've all said that this is taking longer than they expected. So they don't like it any more than the fans. I thought that six games was enough for groups, person, position groups to play together in sync, in concert. But they haven't had the same groups. No. Back to back games. And I'll just give you one the O line, they've dressed 13 players this year. Yeah. Already, Dave, and we're not even at Labor Day. Just on the O line alone, 13 players. And a lot of that has to do with injuries, but I'm not letting them use the injury excuse. And to their credit, they're not using it either. 
Uh, so it's not going real well. And you said people are calling for his head. Some are, but he's not going anywhere. No. He's got a four-year contract here, <laughs> richest deal in uh, in franchise history. There's some conjecture where that lands within the league. I think Ken Austin makes more. Yeah. Um, but he's part of the long-term fix. So we're in this rebuild, and he didn't want to say rebuild because it's a negative connotation. But you kind of got to grit and bear it here. The only the scary thing is, or the sad thing is, fans are saying to me, "Rod, when are we going to start winning again?" Well, there's a sixty-four thousand dollar question which you can't answer. So, nor can, nor can Jones. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you, man. I wish we had more time, but we're right up against it, Roddy. I look forward to seeing you on Friday, buddy. Thanks a lot, David. Thanks for the call. Good, good to chat with you. Okay, Rod Peterson, the voice of the Riders on CKRM Radio in Regina. I know some of you are mad at me that I talked to this guy. Oh, why are you talking about Homer? It's Rod Peterson. It's one of the most well-known names in the CFL, whether you like it or not. And is he very opinionated? Yeah. There's are times I go, Rod, what are you thinking? Oh, many times. But uh, Rod is good at what at what he does. Trust me. Thanks to Blake Dermott. Thanks to Jason Moss. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy at Ted Control. Morley Scott back in this chair a week from now and 8 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Eskimos Riders coming up Friday on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. 8 o'clock kickoff, 6 o'clock is the pregame show. Have a good night, everyone.